I'm Afton. And I'm Anna. And, and this, this is, is Grits. Grits. Join us in reclaiming what it means to be girls raised in the South. Mm-hmm. So let's get gritty. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's been three weeks and we're back. we're back, but in a new location. So I, f- I feel like for our audience out there, we were in one closet, we were in our second closet. And now we're in my new house. We're in so the third closet. I couldn't get enough of Afton. I had to move onto her street. <laughs> <laughs> two blocks. She's two blocks down from me, and uh, we haven't seen each other in a while. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been a long time. Yeah, I've had my parents came, my fiance's parents came, um, and you want to share? And my <laughs> name is Avery. <laughs> I just moved in with my sister. We haven't mm-hmm. lived together in a very long time, so it's cool. It's been fun, but... Mm-hmm. So we've got... There's lots of blonde, big blonde mood in the closet right oh, now. Yeah, for sure. I, I changed my hairstyle and color, so I'm mega blonde, and we've got Anna and Avery, both Walton sisters, in the closet, and we're all in the closet, so... Yeah. It's been good. We've had a lot... Buying a house is no joke. We already had ants. Uh, we already had a light fixture fall from the ceiling. Is that bad? What's um, is there? Did you light it? You know. Yeah, we need to like light some sage and like get the bad energy out of here. Well, someone who's been in the neighborhood for quite some time, just know when you see a pair of bikini bottoms on the sidewalk, they're fair game. You can pick those up and just <laughs> and throw them. Throw, just wash them and they're good to go. Oh, good. That good. actually happened. I was wondering about that. Yeah, so. yeah, that actually happened. I have a pair of bikini bottoms that I found on my sidewalk <laughs> outside my house. So. But I'm excited we're neighbors. Yeah, I know. There's there's big, big, big lots big energy happening. And yeah. uh Sean Brock, who's a famous I was gonna say clarinist. Kalar- That's <laughs> absolutely not, not a, a word. word. <laughs> uh culinary expert mm-hmm. slash chef who specializes in southern cuisine is opening up a new Appalachian themed restaurant Appalachian themed, that sounds like Dollywood. Appalachian <laughs> infused uh, menu restaurant uh, a few blocks from you. Yeah, like two yeah, or three blocks from you. Walk. Yeah, he has two pugs. Check him out, Sean Brock. He's. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, he's is a... he in the pug club? Oh my gosh! No, he's not. <laughs> I should. This, you should invite him. I should invite him. Yeah, pug club. So I guess that's. Well, I don't want to interrupt. What What are your other updates? Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, house stuff takes. All my time, family coming in. We've had quite a few. Avery's moved in. Crazy nights yes. on Broadway. Oh, oh. <laughs> I actually, I have to admit and atone for my sins. I went to Kid Rock's place <laughs> two nights in a row. <laughs> two nights. Get out. I know, right? <laughs> for more than four hours each time. I'm going to be boycotted. <laughs> so I went, uh, Chris and I attended the Nashville mayoral debate, and in front of us there was a woman wearing a Kid Rock for mayor shirt. <laughs> and I thought, wow. I'm down. Why was she there? <laughs> because Carol Swain paid them, paid supporters from Broadway to g- attend this debate in her oh. favor and just be really loud. Why weren't we invited? I know, right? Okay. What are your updates? That's all. Those are all your updates? I, I really, like, I mean, do you want to hear about me ordering furniture and <laughs> making returns? <laughs> so how is it having your sister move in um, close proximity to you? It's been great. She's a good guest. Mm-hmm. Slash forever guest. Yeah, slash roommate. Um, she takes care of everything. She's super clean. And is it good, weird to live with small company. tigers? Good company. Um, what about the cats? You know, cats aren't my favorite Ooh. thing on the planet. Um, but it's fine. <laughs> I get that they're a, a, it's a joint package at this house. You know, either take it or you leave it. You know. <laughs> so basically, and you're probably gonna you have to it. in order to see Anna, you have to get along yeah. with the cats. Avery actually recommended that we reach out to the show My Cat from Hell. <laughs> Wait. Because Wait, what? So, Wait, it's Toby, uh, there's a show on Animal Planet, right? Mm-hmm. Or TLC or yeah. something like that. And um, Toby, he now understands that there is an outside um, compared to when we lived in an apartment where he just ran into the hallway and then he quickly ran back when he smelled dogs out there. Um, but now we have a backyard um, that he's escaped to three different times. And he sits at the door and howls until he can escape. 
Um, and so Does that, we are going to audition for a show yeah. for that. Anna thinks it's normal for your cat to get in the bathtub with you. <laughs> and I to While you're taking her, a bath? While you're in the bath. Well, he gets in the shower. We have a stand-up shower and a bath in the master. And in the sh- he paws until he's let into the shower door. And then he lays under the bench and, t- and you know, spends time with me while we're, while we're bathing. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, not normal. Are these things that now you are looking at Anna as this older big sister, her, like, like this figure, and you're like, I this had to is tell her, I was like, Anna, this is, this is not normal. Like, they're <laughs> causing stress on your life. <laughs> like, this is not normal. I'm, I'm, for her well-being, it's she like, got we're, the cats. We're ready for a baby because they already keep us up, at, like, all night long. <laughs> she got the cats, like, for therapy cats, and, like, they're doing the opposite. <laughs> So what do you do when you, you love too. these cats and they were meant to be therapy cats and now they're like your biggest stresses in life? What do you do? Throw them out or we keep them. We suffer through. It's the it's the Protestant way. <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing? Okay. Yeah. I think it's like the yeah, Puritan. Yeah, it's yeah, a puritanical Puritan. roots. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I also have a cat from hell. He killed a rabbit <laughs> two weeks ago. The little one? Yeah, yeah, he's, man. Yeah, lots of updates on my end. I guess it's been about three weeks since we last recorded the pod. Remember, remember, from the beginning of this year, we said we would always under or under promise over deliver. Yes. So my updates. Well, uh, I think this sums it up. Someone asked me, "Man, what a great summer it's been." I said, "Oh, I can't wait till summer begins." You know, I have so many plans. I, I have all these to-do lists. I'm going to do all the things. It's Ju- it's going to be July 1st on, on Monday, so that tells you where I've been. Uh, but no, a lot of a lot of exciting things. I've been heavily involved with the Nashville mayoral race because I hate the city. I hate the bachelorettes. I hate the pedal taverns. I hate country music. I hate all of the things that make Nashville, apparently, and its city to the rest of the country, but I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm that girl at the airport that all these bachelorettes are giddy walking out in their in their two toned colored pantone pink shirts, and they walk out and I'm like, they're like, oh my god, Nashville, so bad, they're so loud. So, anyways, I've I've been heavily invested in the mayoral race. I'm uh, for those of you not in Nashville, we have a pretty competitive race. It's honestly a bloodbath. I'm sure relationships will be made and broken over this over this race. I mean, people really, are really. people are choosing sides, uh, and I actually submitted an op ed. That will be published uh, probably in a few weeks, basically claiming that my candidate is the most progressive, which she is, which she is. Um, so, and I think it's it's a testament to how apathetic voters can be in a perceived blue city, in a red state. Nashville tends to vote Democratic, but if you really look at progressive values, it tend you know a lot of the values aren't aligned. They're they're unaligned with with our progressive agenda. So. So anyways, I've been heavily involved in that. I also just came back from a premier digital organizing training, which I'm very grateful that my organization um, paid for some of it, and I'm, I'm paying for some of it, but uh, basically digital organizing, for those of you who don't know or are kind of neophytes to this, to this organizing world, uh, it's how campaigns and advocacy organizations basically pull people from um, online to offline. So if you've ever signed a petition, if you've ever, if you've ever signed a petition to expand Medicaid, if you've Mm -hmm. ever signed a petition that you hate Trump or want Glenn (laughs) Cassida to be removed as Speaker of the House, that's digital organizing. And basically there's an entire, you know, there's programming behind it. There's the long form, the short form narratives around what stories you tell online and how to capture that and how to pull in people. So, and I was really grateful to be around, uh, some of the best digital organizers in the country and people who are, um, you know, are in my, my lifelong network at this point. But I think my favorite moment of the week was uh, I was sitting at a table with the Idaho communications person for the Idaho Senate and House caucuses, sprinkled with a few other people from other states, and, and we were comparing state legislative sessions. And I pulled up a Jezebel article with a headline that said, Dicks, cocaine, something else, like the Tennessee legislature, and everyone just stopped talking. I was like, yeah, that was that was our legislative session. So I won that battle. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. 
Um, and yeah, it's been, I, I'm, I'm just been around in Kentucky. I was in Paducah, Kentucky, which is in the Western, uh, most hip, uh, this week on Wednesday, I have a group there that, uh, so Kentucky's big political debut is called Fancy Farm. It's the first weekend in August and it's where McConnell and Rand Paul and all the political heavyweights battle out for Kentucky state politics. And the group is working and, and, uh, creating a billboard that they hope to eventually, uh, put up before Fancy Farm. But in that same narrative, so Mitch McConnell came out and said that he's going to be the Grim Reaper of progressive legislation. And as someone that has dressed up as the healthcare Grim Reaper before, <laughs> thank you, McConnell, for giving me that opportunity to utilize that costume again <laughs> and the six foot coffin that my roommate made me. Do you remember yes, the coffin? Yes, oh, oh, that's remember. a whole thing. There's still a photo of it on the fridge. On the fridge? Seat, yeah. Can you describe the smell of a freshly made coffin <laughs> in an in in office? And it was also massive. That's one thing. Like how, it was how like tall six and a half feet. Yeah, yeah like, it was like six and a half, seven feet. But like wide too. Like two people could definitely fit in there. Sometimes they have a friend. It's quite a, um, quite a spectacle. Well, so that was during the healthcare medi- Medicaid fights of 2017. I was a healthcare Grim Reaper, but now I'm going to be able to <laughs> repurpose the the coffin, get my Grim Reaper outfit out, because the Kentucky group, they want to stage some political theater where they walk as the Grim Reaper down the rural highway to fancy farms. So, ah, oh, God, God bless the South. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, we just love color. We love costume. Love, love a good costume. <laughs> Love, love some, you know, blonde hair. The higher the hair, the closer to the god, as I've, I've as I've been saying. Because I've recently, I've been very proud of myself. I've been a no nonsense type, you know. No. You have a lot of volume right now. Thank you. It looks very Thank you. good. I've been using mousse, and I started using rollers, and I feel very southern. Like I'm, yeah. I really feel like I'm, I'm part of this southern, like feminism, Dolly Parton wave that I used to really want to be part of, but now I have the hair to prove it. Mm-hmm. You can enter society now. You Thank know? you. Thank That's you. That's how I feel you about lipstick. Whenever I have, like, a full face of makeup with, like, a really prominent lipstick, I'm like, I'm Southern. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it very strongly. <laughs> I do both. Yeah, now I do mm-hmm. both. Avery, what are your updates? You've moved in? I moved in. I'm studying for the MCAT. If I had any piece of advice of wanting to go to med school... I mean, just don't. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, do it if you really want to, but, man, that test is no joke. I've taken it one time before, and it is a seven-hour test. Have you ever sat, st- like, still for seven hours? It's I just, took the GRE. I went to graduate school. Yeah. I went to graduate gets, school. I feel so old. <laughs> seven hours. It's just, like, by the time I got, like, halfway, my last two breaks, so you have 15-minute breaks, I just skipped through. I said, nope, no, no break. I just needed to get out of there. <laughs> I just needed to go ahead and take the next part. So that's my update. I'm just studying and living the Nashville We've life. We've had fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. When's, now the, it's when's the last time you lived in a house together? Oh, my gosh. When I was 17. Oh, Lord. Yeah, she was 17. So, um, eight years? Yeah. Yeah. And now we're finally friends. We weren't friends when oh, we lived God. together. Hmm. We so were that like, age difference was like I was leaving the house and she was just starting high school. Yeah. So yeah. that age difference is just a little too far. But then I would come back from college. I felt like we got close. I mean, when yeah. I was in college, we were close. We would just kind of hang out and like. But I was like, oh, I'm your older sister. Like I'm gonna, you know. Yeah. Like, Are you the youngest, Avery? You? You're the yeah. youngest. Okay. The and the boy is the middle one, right? He's, he's the oldest. oldest. Oh, he's the oldest. Yeah. Oh, you're the middle child. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that Does that make a sense? lot of sense? Does that, that make sense? explains. All. <laughs> Does that make what? sense? Yeah, he's 27. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I went to college in a town where everyone had their siblings right there. Everyone lived in the, in the town. They stayed in the town their whole life. So everyone was living with their siblings during college or their siblings were all in town and they all had kids. And so it's like fun now that I actually like, even if it's just for the summer, that I get to do it. And Nashville's such a fun city. Like, I don't know. I would like to be in your, like, just out of college, like, single. Anna's currently fighting. The cat has his hand underneath the closet door and he's about to press pause on this podcast. So sorry. Sorry if that happens. You can still speak, Harry. You look like you wanted to speak. This is this is a no nonsense, no uh, nonsense free for all episode. So 
No, yeah. I mean, the guys that I have met here, like, talking about, you know, I'm, yes, I am single, you know, no baggage when I got here, so that's been nice. But I Except will the actual say, bags that you brought in. <laughs> true. <laughs> okay. All, all of my furniture that I brought. <laughs> but, I mean, it's been fun. I mean, a lot of the guys that I meet here, they're like, oh, I'm just working here for a month, or like, or they're from Austria and don't speak English, and they're like trying to talk to me, <laughs> or, and I'm like, I don't know anything that you're saying. <laughs> Please find a translator, but no, it'll get better. I, she, I feel like I feel like there's, you know, there's when you're getting hit on, there are some lines that are universal. Is that not? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, they talked for quite a bit. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. No, we did. Oh, um, he couldn't understand English. Who like, is he it? Spoke a saxophone saxophone player yeah. came off the stage. This is she attracts like I get hit she on. Has like, an ener- she has an energy. Uh, big. It's the hair. Big Louisiana hair blonde Let me tell you, it's the hair and it's the face shape. Some, just, people just connect with round faces. That's true. Is that, is that? It's a psychology thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, like, see you and they're like, I have to come talk to that girl. So, like, this guy, like, just walks off the stage, like, on Broadway and he, like, comes over and talks to her. It turns out they went to the same college. Yeah. But, oh, like, wow. he was, like, just, like, yeah. in the first week of her being here. Yeah. Like, connect with me. I'm going to leave my number for you. Yeah. So, have you hit up the Tinder? I heard the Nashville Tinder game. Oh, uh, you know what? I, I I made a vow to myself oh. that I would not do Tinder. But, you know, I might get desperate. So, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we'll have see. to still schedule our trip to New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why is that happening? She has a potential. I met a guy suitor. in um, Key West. Oh, mm-hmm. oh! Thank you. Ago. He's an it's immigrant. Five o'clock lawyer. somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. wow! I met his parents. Oh, on a school trip. He was on a family trip. Or mm-hmm. on oh, a marine botany school trip. Yeah, but he's yeah. How much older is he than you? A little bit. Well, my- <laughs> <laughs> I think a similar, a similar, 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 similar situation. Sim- I've always dated older men. Yeah, I just I don't. Yeah, our parents are seven years apart, so it's always been, my mom was like, go for the older guy. You don't want anybody too mature. You just want them established. Yeah. And my ex was younger than me, so I, you know, I'm ready for the older. Oh, man, younger men. Mm-mm. No, mm-mm. Alex was younger than me. Don't say that. How Alex much? is in a One different. <laughs> it doesn't count. But he is young. He feels young. Because he's the oldest of a young family, and that, like, seems. Aren't there eight of them? No, only four. Oh, but eight. I came from some like Mormon. I was like, okay. Wait, yeah. what? Some like no, Mormon. He, I mean, he has a big. Family. He has a big family, oh, okay. like cousins and everything. But um, when you're like when your parents are young, like his parents are like younger even than like how old are they? My bosses, they're in their forties. My parents are sixty five. Like my mom's yeah. sixty. Our dad turned sixty in a month. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm so. He feels young because it's, like, his family is young. Mm, like, his siblings are mm. young, and, he like, he's the oldest of the whole family. Like, I feel like my parents are already empty nesters. It's when's a wedding? Next You don't want to have that going on. Next May. Because then the audience will want to come. We'll have a griddle. We'll have Do a griddle session. It's going to be a little far, so. Um, go ahead and book your ticket. <laughs> We're getting married. Italia! On, on Lake Island, Italy. Yes. Seriously? Yeah. What? Italia. We... How did that happen? I sound like a guinea pig. I just wanted, I wanted certain things, and then by the time I, like, figured it out and started calling places and everything. Anyway, long story short, we want, like, a very special ceremony. It's basically going to be a vacation with our closest family and friends, 30 people, maybe, around that. Um, In Italy, we'll just have a casual ceremony in the backyard, and then... (laughs) In the backyard. It's probably going to be a casual Lake Como. A.K.A. a castle, probably. Yeah, obviously. That's the only way to have a wedding in Lake Como. Thank you. Something like that. A villa of, um, you know. How did this this escalate from, like, a Nashville backyard (laughs) wedding to Lake Como? Like, what was that trade Anna doesn't want anybody from high school coming. Oh, okay. She had to pick the (laughs) farthest location. Okay, you know what? To be fair, I get that. I want my high school... Okay, so I want certain people to come, but they'll come. It'll be fine. And then... We're going to have a fun, like, blowout party with a lot of people in Nashville. So we'll have this, like... Right. It's Which is exactly be, how you should do it's it. It's basically, yeah. like, a luxury vacation. We're going to use that to go into our honeymoon. I really want to push both of our families, like, out of their comfort zone because a lot of our... You know, our dad has never yeah. been out of the country. He doesn't have really? a passport. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, like, it's just... I know your parents travel a lot. Yeah. But, like, for yeah. both of our families, they're very, like... They live where they're they were. Insular, they live right? where they grew up. Mm. 
They've stayed in the same place. I feel comfortable traveling. We're going to cover a lot of the, we're going to cover like all the accommodations as far as like staying and like transportation from the airport to the place. And like, we're going to get married at the place we stay at. And like, it's all going to be like safe, like a safe way to like travel out of the country and experience something new, but it's going to feel like luxurious and nice. And you know what I mean? Like, that's what I wanted. I wanted to like elevate. I wanted to start off on a good note. Like, wow. Okay. Well, I am elated. Yeah. It's going to be <laughs> as so someone fun. who loves destination weddings as well as mm-hmm. Italy. Oh my gosh. I'm getting married in Vegas. So like, you can just go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? After what? both of my siblings have been through all this, like, and your no. brother had like a, a like a oh, like a, a southern Louisiana wedding, wedding yes. right? Yeah. yeah, a big wedding. Wow, what a where you monogram yeah. the napkins and <laughs> the cups that you drink out of and what is what is not? Well, I, just went, I cannot so go back I started, to monogram. I started like caring way too much about all the details because I'm like, what would this person think or what would this group of people think? And I'm like, why don't I just have the people that I care about the yeah, most and it, yes. have a vacation yes. together, just very casual, and then we'll have the party. We'll have the open bar and the band and the whatever, like, in Nashville and have everyone come and have a good time. And then I'm not thinking, am I going to trip when I'm walking down the aisle? And I'm, am I going to, like, you know, like, all these things that you kind of, like, have in your mind are like, oh, centerpieces, whatever. We're just going to have a party. It doesn't matter. It's not a wedding. It's just a party. (laughs) So that's next summer? Yeah. Yeah. Next Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Mark your calendar. All right. Am I invited? The griddle? Yeah. Co-griddle. Yes. You're definitely invited. Oh, I'm so excited. I've been to Italy. Oh, my You're God. You're one of the elite. <laughs> well, well. What if I, what if I like, what if I, like, um, subtly make a pineapple theme mm, and everyone's, like, wait, what? Bridesmaids dresses, uh, pineapples. It's black tie. Um, so. Oh, no. I want a bougie. Okay, wait. This is your wedding. Sorry. Okay, thank you. No, it's going to be, back. like, George and Amal are going to be, like, should I come over there? Like, They're gonna be like across wow, the lake? like some of our posse. Oh, uh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It's going to be fancy. Fancy. Okay. I said casual, but it's going to be fancy. <laughs> Let's do, like, a Vanity Fair. Like, like can we get the griddle? Yeah. Can, we, can we get the podcast in, like, Vanity Fair Italy for this wedding? Like, <laughs> on the like, cover. They send, like, a photographer. And I'm over there, like, no, by the way, we have a podcast. we have a podcast. Could you uh, just uh, throw that in the, the article? Thank you. Mm-hmm. We'll turn down this report magazine that like where you put your announcement in we're gonna turn down that one because we're just i'm sorry elevated to get it in vanity fair (laughs) (laughs) this would be a good time to talk about from the perspective of southern women Mm. what do you feel about last names in weddings oof does your mom have your dad's last name yes okay our mom does too do you have any thoughts on it are the cats are their last names hyphenated um they are waltons Mm mm-hmm (laughs) <laughs> yep. I just think that we should be more, we should think about it a little bit more. Yeah, I don't plan on, you know, if I ever get married, I don't plan on taking my partner's last name. Because I think there's a way, you know, I do get the, like, family cohesion, like, as far as, like, a school directory or, like, a church directory or something, like, where you have to, like, list your family's names all together. Like, why can't you just call yourself? Like, have your name and your professional credit. Because I already ha- I'm already cited in news articles, and I'm already, like, if you Google me, like, I'm already there, you know? like <laughs> And it needs to be very on brand. Because it's your identity. Awesome. And, like, awesome. we've had friends who are actually, like, legitimately angry when the girl, like, mm-hmm. we have one couple who the girl didn't take it because she's an actress. And so, like, I'm pretty oh, sure she had already had, like, credits yeah. or, like, something was known about her with that name. And, like, the girl didn't take it. And so at the end of the wedding, they announced, like, now presenting. There's a lot of things about weddings that I'm, like, not here for. Like, who gives her away? And, like, I'm my own person. Like, I think about it too much. Anyway, but, like, when they announced, like, Mr. and Mrs. Alex Green, like, I would literally vomit right there on the altar (laughs) if someone said that. (laughs) Because, like, that's not, you know. And so in this wedding, they said, like, her name and his name. And, like, literally one of our friends, like, would not drop it for the rest of the reception. Like, I Mm. hate that that happened. Like, they were so mad that, like, she decided to keep her own name. And I just feel like we should all just let people. It shouldn't shouldn't be taboo anymore. Right. It it really shouldn't. I mean, and I think it is, unfortunately, still in the South because we have these societal traditions that continue to, you know, be the norm. Yeah. 
And I think, like, some girls get away with it because they're, like, they hate their maiden name or, like, they've never and felt attached. Yeah, that's they don't valid. Their, they don't know their valid. dad or, like, they that's don't. like very valid. They have some reason and they're, like, oh, of course I would I would take his name. Like, oh, my gosh. But I feel so much attachment to my last name because I feel like it's our family unit. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel so much attachment to my parents and that's their name. What if you take an know. Italian? <laughs> we just make our own. It's just like you convert. change your like identity. Like <laughs> just convert them. We could just be Kennedys. Make everyone wonder. But Walton makes people wonder though. Like oh, about because of Walmart. The Walmart oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. I tell anytime anyone asks me, I'm like, oh yeah, he's my he's my great great grandfather. Uh, they never uh, question it. Southern royalty, the Waltons. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Have you been to the um, art museum in Arkansas? The the Waltons. It's like in a is rural. Is it in Fayetteville or where it's, is it's it? It's in a rural Arkansas town, and I forget whatever her first name is. Walton established this premier art museum, and and it has ongoing installations. And my mom has mm-hmm. visited, but it's to, the whole idea was to bring premier art to the common yeah, folk. Yeah. See, I a lot of people crap on Arkansas. I love Arkansas. Hands down. It's beautiful. Oh, okay. Hands All right. Down. Taking a stand on the gr- grits pod today. It really Team is, Arkansas. like, so beautiful. We did grow up there, but, like, we I mean, did you go to the Ar- Ozarks? Not to be biased, but, well, we have a condo on Lake Hamilton in Hot Springs area. Yeah. Ooh, so we, yes. we grew Since up going to there. But school. really, the lakes are, like, amazing. Clean. The food is good. Yeah, the lakes are, honestly, Lake Washita is, like, one of the prettiest lakes I've ever seen Cliff in my jumping. life. You've um, been to my lake house. No, I haven't. We should go. Am I invited? You should have the after-after party at Lake North. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Her family has a... You know, that's another thing about Southerners. We're always trying to find a way to party. Like you're always trying to find a way to celebrate something. I already have a like like, full day. My cat killed a rabbit. Hey, let's have a. Hey, the speaker of the house was like, Hey, let's have a party. Okay, that was a good one. Oh, so fun. Oh yeah, in the last pod, I was talking about it. Any, yeah, any... so Afton threw a blowout party on my birthday. <laughs> it was actually his birthday. <laughs> so actually, Alex threw me a surprise party, which I always talk. He had asked me, like, what was your best birthday? And, like, my 16th birthday, I had a huge surprise party at one of my friends' house, houses. And I just always, like, remember that because, like, it was so thoughtful. Like, just it to, thoughtful. Just to like, spend some time yep, yep. to, like, coordinate all of that. Um, not at all expecting that he would do that. He told me, like, oh, we're going to go to dinner, or, or we're going to go to, we were going to go to your party. So he's like, let's go get a drink and then go to dinner. Like, I have dinner plans with our friends. So I was like, okay, that sounds good, or whatever. And then he, like, pulled me into our apartment rooftop area, whatever. And all my friends were waiting there, and I was like, mm-hmm. It was so sweet. But um, then we went to Afton's, and it was super fun. Someone brought, who shall... I don't know if she wants to be named in the podcast, but she brought a uh, cutting board <laughs> that had powdered sugar, which l- looked a lot like cocaine. And it was hilarious because there were people who showed up at the party that didn't really know me and and walked in and like, wow, didn't, okay, there's about $1,000 worth of cocaine on that table. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know if that was this type of party. But I thought the best, the best, um, my favorite piece was that Chris, uh, the rules for the bathroom, which mm-hmm. if you're listening, you, we'll explain why, but the rules for the bathroom that, that were written on a piece of paper um, and taped to the door said, one, whatever you do in this bathroom has to take 60 seconds or less, and two, <laughs> you have to text your boss about it afterwards. And the whole joke around that is that the Speaker of the House and his Chief of Staff had this ongoing communication when the uh, Chief of Staff was at a restaurant called Party Foul in Nashville, and I, I had intercourse with an intern or someone in the bathroom and then texted his boss afterwards, oh, it only lasted a few seconds, and then the Speaker of the House texted back, oh, you're just a minute, man? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Tennessee. Well, he, like, he, like, explicitly sl- said, like, I just had sex in the bathroom, like, in oh, yeah. some way. Like, I, I just, just slammed somebody. Like, it was very... <sighs> he needs to, like... There's have a come to Jesus moment of how let's, explicit let's he is come, in text messages. Let's not use the word come in. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> okay. But like, it's like those things. Like, just keep them to yourself or say them in person. Like, 
tell yeah, you. Yeah, they don't need to be texted. You yeah, especially on a text state phone. Boss they, like, those those just... text messages are going to be given to Phil Williams, who's an He's investigative like... reporter in Nashville, and then it's going to be common knowledge to everyone in the Davidson County metro area. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> he said, just got home from the Dominican Republic. Was that it? it he was like, just a, just a whole gram of Coke in my office, <laughs> and it was like 10 a.m. <laughs> Taking away, uh, like, took selfies. Like, he took so many selfies. I'm like, why are you texting this? Like, I mean, it sucks that he did it, but, like, how stupid do you have to be to, like, actually, like, have receipts for, like, doing that kind of stuff? What happened have to, to people think, having like, burner happened? phones? Like, what happened to people <laughs> having the Thank go you, phone? Thank you, Avery. You've got a phone for business, and you've got a phone for more business. And you so use that if you're listening, Cade, be smarter. Be better, Cade. Be best. Ashton, be, <laughs> be best. best. Be best. Ooh, all right. Well, um, so we're a little loosey-goosey with the content tonight because Anna and I haven't seen each other in a while. Uh, but we did have, we wanted to kind of throw some content out there in the realm of talking about how scandals, particularly in the South, that seem really salacious and kind of outrageous at the time, uh, really don't end up sticking and, and don't really have, you know, tangible consequences or kind of this the stream of consequences that you would anticipate from a story like the fallout that we just mentioned with the Speaker of the House and the Chief of Staff. Uh, so Anna's going to talk about one with regard to health care, and then I'll talk a little bit about um, kind of the the political scandals that are that are enduring and ongoing, um, but but then eventually are very ephemeral and uh, there's no kind of lasting consequences for for what we see. So Anna, why don't you go ahead? Yeah. So recently this week there was a article by ProPublica with some help with reporting from MLK Fifty, which is a nonprofit journalism. Um, organization in Memphis, based in Memphis, um, about uh, Methodist Laboner Healthcare, which is a um, hosp- a nonprofit hospital in Memphis, and basically they were calling them out and um, highlighting a lot of stories of people who have been harmed by their debt collection. So it's not just the normal run of the mill, you know, you don't pay a hospital bill and then you get sent over to collections and they sell your debt and all that. They actually um, have lawyers at Le Bonner who sue for unpaid medical bills, um, including asking for attorney fees and court costs. So these are mostly low-income people. They, you know, tell quite a few stories in there, like someone who was in there just for two days and ended up with, you know, over $12,000 in medical bills. And basically it just highlights how it ruins the um, consumer's health care and ruins their credit and um, just sends them into a spiral of not being able to um, pay their bills and then not being able to like get forward in life. And then on top of that, they end up getting sued. Um, and if you think about it, nonprofit healthcare systems, um, you know, they actually do make a profit and they usually just give it to the C-suite executives. Um, but they also don't pay any taxes. Right. And taxes, in large part, pay for um, the indigent health care and uncompensated health care costs that hospitals face. I know they absorb some of it, but federal payments, they're called DISH payments. There's disproportionate share hospital payments that um, help to make up for some of the uninsured um, costs for bills. They you know, are still taking this aggressive stance and they're suing um, low-income people who don't pay their bills, including people who work at Le Bonner who right. have outstanding health care bills, I mean, which I think was a really sh- shocking piece. And we'll include this in the show notes, but this just kind of popped up this week. And, um, you know, it really was shocking because I do think that, you know, they are a big organization, so it doesn't mean they're it's all bad or all good. Um because we've worked with them a lot on issues and they are actually a pretty compassionate organization, but they've just made this decision to do this to recoup their, um, their unpaid bill costs. And it's just super punitive. And, um, I'm just really wondering that because they've got so much good going for them and they're, you know, they're religious and they've got a lot, you know, I've worked with a lot of good people that work there, um, I'm wondering, like, from this 
quote, scandal (laughs) and this big expose, what will actually change? And that made me think a lot about how we've had a series of these scandals. And I don't really see a lot of change. And sometimes I see this rhetoric like, you know, I'm a new man, like Kate Cawthorn, mm, who we were talking mm. about earlier, who had the scandal with, you know, doing drugs in the office and having sex with interns or pursuing them and being just wholly inappropriate and unprofessional. Um, not to mention the, you know, wiretapping the fraudulent emails. <laughs> There's a lot of illegal stuff <laughs> in there. But sure, he resigned, but in all of his statements, he continued to go back to the idea of, like, oh, he's found Jesus since then, and, you know, everything's fine because he found Jesus. And so I'm just, like, wondering, I don't know what Labonner's response is going to be to this, but it actually echoes a lot of um, of scandals we've seen in the last few years um, in the political realm. And, you know, 2018, we d- really didn't see... Um, the legislators held to account the way that you would think from that kind of well, even with and let's just like because your your focus is healthcare, but mm-hmm. even with can you talk a little bit about the the findings and the discovery that children were being dropped off health insurance and even that like what you know what are the the long lasting consequences and repercussions of something like this and if you could give some background to our audience about what happened in Tennessee and why. Yeah, so in the last few years, we we kind of got a red flag last year that a lot of um, the 10 care numbers were down, especially for children, meaning under 18. And so we're kind of like monitoring it, just trying to see, you know, maybe thinking, maybe it's the economy, maybe the economy's better, all this kind of stuff. But then we started looking, chip numbers were down too, and Basically, the way the income limits go and the no wrong door policy, you should, if you're if you're rolling off of 10 care because of an income increase, you should go to CHIP. But they weren't going to CHIP. CHIP was dropping too. And then we saw the first report that the uninsured number was way up in Tennessee. It was an almost 20% increase in uninsured rate. Um, and so we knew way more children were uninsured. And we were just trying to get to the bottom of this. And we started... We started publicizing the issue. We started finding families who had been kicked off um, wrongfully and talking to more and more people. And we were pushing TenCare to give us answers about what was happening. And they really couldn't provide sufficient evidence. Um, and we just kept seeing these quotes over and over again. This is proof that the economy is better. The governor was saying it. Legislators were saying it. TenCare was saying it. And there was no proof of that. There wasn't proof that more kids had employer-sponsored insurance. There was only proof that more kids were uninsured. And we actually had the number one highest increase in the rate um, of children losing TenCare and um, cover kids. So we had over 10% declines in enrollment and a lot of other states face this too, but it was more like Texas and California. And that was mostly because of, um, public charge, which, um, is a very complicated, uh, administrative policy change, but basically it, it creates a chilling effect for immigrant families who use, uh, benefits. And we don't have the same immigrant population and the same chilling effect. So mainly ours was because of redetermination and they were redetermining, they were supposed to be redetermining eligibility, but basically they were terminating a large amount of kids simply because they didn't return 98-page packets completed. When federal law, it's kind of hazy, but either highly encourages or requires them to check other available data, such as SNAP data, um, or, you know, reported income for taxes, um, to, to verify, to verify, um, eligibility. And if they don't do that, they should send a pre-populated form in the mail. Well, they were sending it sometimes to addresses that were seven years out of date (laughs) and expecting someone to return it when they didn't even get it. It was 98 pages. And when they didn't return this elusive package, if they even got it, which most likely they didn't get it, um, 
they were just kicking them off of coverage. So they weren't actually losing coverage because they were determined ineligible because of income. And even if they were determined ineligible for TenCare because of income, they should have rolled into either TenCare standard or CHIP. This is all like very complicated. But basically, every child should have health insurance in Tennessee. And no one, I mean, the feasibility of someone going from qualifying for TenCare to not qualifying for any public insurance, that's the difference between making... These are just estimates, but somewhere between $20,000 and $60,000. Who gets a raise of their job that's $40,000? So it's not really that feasible that kids would be losing coverage at such a high rate. Um, and we've we've publicized this. We've talked to national media about it. We've talked to local media about it. We've been trying and trying and trying for the issue to penetrate. But the legislators keep saying, oh, my gosh, we did so good with the economy. <laughs> We brought forty billion jobs to <laughs> Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you're really doing that good, then why are so many kids being turned away at the doctor and unable to to they don't have health insurance anymore? So, in this context, like, what, what what's going to happen? I mean, what do you see happening both at a policy level as well as like on a you know a people a community level? Like, what has the response been? And, like, what are the lasting, like, what, you know, are there any positive, is there a positive change because of the story that broke and the scandal around it? And, like, how does that, you know, what are the, what, what materializes? Yeah, I, I mean, on a more philosophical level, I've seen quite a bit of commentary and conversation around blaming the parents. Mm. And that has been really disappointing to me because of the burden, we'll talk about this actually on an upcoming episode, but like of the burden of being low income and how much is expected of you. And if you don't hit all the right marks and, you know, um, cross your T's and dot your I's, like then you are, you lose, um, the security that your family, the little bit of security that your family can have. And, um, you know, what, what's to come, I, I'm hoping that there's, there's sustained energy where we're for sure working very, very hard every single day to um, continue to listen to the families who are affected by this issue um, and to hopefully continue publicizing the issue. But as far as like how the administration will eventually respond, I mean, because it seems like on the Republican end, it's what Trump does, which is gaslight. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Yeah, if I mean, if they say, if they say, for deny, 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 that the that the you know, oh, they have employee sponsored insurance. I mean, we can yell until we're blue in the face that actually less people are covered by employer sponsored insurance than ever before <laughs> this year. Then we can just yell that we have the statistics, we have the data, but it doesn't matter because people want to believe what they want to believe, and and. Frankly, people want to believe that people have ten care that don't deserve it. Right. And they hold on to these these tropes for forever. I mean, and it's like even with the scandals, I mean, and we've talked about David Byrd repeatedly on this podcast, but the fact that this scandal that he sexually assaulted underage girls as a basketball coach couldn't penetrate the trope that he was a good guy. That he was yeah. That was how many years ago? That was right. I keep right. hearing that. That was right. how many years ago? It like, shouldn't. It shouldn't matter. So it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't he matter. Was, <laughs> he like, it's just it's mind blowing to me. Well, and I just wonder. I mean, there there's so many, you know, like how, especially in the age of Trump, where it's all true. I mean, we have a president that has been credibly accused of raping a woman, and it didn't even make. I mean, we haven't even heard anything about it. Because in the this day and age, it's like, you know, scandal after scandal after scandal, and it breaks, and it kind of simmers to the top of our, you know, of our news ether across the state, and then what happens, right? And I think politically, like, at least with policy, and I think when there are uh, marginalized groups or disenfranchised groups, and particularly the most vulnerable, which are children, at least you see a little more movement when it comes to policy and at least a little more movement 
particularly if you are, if you adhere to, you know, if you claim that you're a Democrat, like, oh, this is really bad for kids. We want to make sure that kids are insured. We're going to do something about this. So there's movement from a policy perspective when it comes to people who want to make sure that kids have health insurance. Um, but when it comes, I mean, I'm just thinking of like some of these scandals that broke about women. So I'm going to read you a headline from Mother Jones about one of our congressmen, uh, Scott Desjardins, who represents uh, Rutherford County, Murfreesboro, and a few other cities uh, in the Congressional District 4. But this is the headline. Anti-abortion Tea Party congressman who asked mistress to get abortion could win primary. And just to give you some background, Scott Desjardins, who pressured a woman, one of two patients he admitted having affairs with, which, might I remind you, is illegal, to get an abortion in the 1990s appears to have narrowly won his primary. Um, so here we have a, a, a Republican who staunch pro-life, I mean, signing all these pro-life bills in Congress, who has gone, who, who the press uncovered that he had pressured two of his mistresses, extramarital affairs, to have abortions. And here we have, you know, it bubbles to the pop, it bubbles to the top, and he still wins his election. Yeah. I mean, unpack that from a Southern perspective. I mean, I think it's one, like as a, as a Southern culture, we don't deal with things that we're uncomfortable with and we negate the truth. We rather say that it's the woman making it up, even though that's like 1% of the time, it's not even worth mentioning, but we rather say it's someone trying to get attention because most of the time it's a man in power and, and I'm not saying, like, we're not trying to unpack the whole Me Too thing right now because I think that's super complicated. But for the most part, like, we've seen these huge abuses of power and we've seen men just skate over having any accountability. I mean, I don't know if it's privilege or if it's just, like, you just keep those ugly things you just ignore them like. But when they are aired, I mean, think about Casta in the context yeah. of the Speaker of our House who you know, one of the most violent, aggressive administrations towards people of color, towards women. And and we were screaming this the entire time. And it took a white man, investigative reporter, who had the resources and the the credibility to 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 dig and to get information and to pull it out and put it up in the ether and and, mm-hmm. and make sure that it was, you know, broadcasted live to a, to an audience every night that we really saw any movement on that and that was finally when the republican party came out and said you know we no longer this this person is very off-brand for us it wasn't the destruction that he caused that he you know i mean he removed women from a committee room which was a first a first amendment rights violation like the freedom of speech to be in a in a public place to protest to rightfully assemble in in a place that we pay for as tax as taxpayers so he did that he passed one of the worst criminalization bills that would criminalize voter registration after an African-American led organization registered over 90,000 African-American voters. I mean, there was so much destruction. It was only when a white man, a white investigative reporter brought all of this off brand Republican stuff to the top. And even then, like, and it was a statewide, you know, there was a statewide push. It was, you know, there are people vying for power and they want to see him, you know, overthrown and step into that vacuum. So, you know, mm-hmm. on that end, it's like there was movement with that. But like Scott Desjardins, he's been a congressman for how how many years now? I have a couple terms, right? At least. And, there, and there's been other ones. So there's a, um, I believe he's a doctor, Hensley who had an mm-hmm. extramarital affair with his second cousin. Second cousin, he not first. First her, cousin's very Kentucky. No, I'm just kidding. Second he, cousin's very And Tennessee. he prescribed her medication illegally. I don't know what he is, pharmacist, doctor, whatever he is, but that's weird. And then another, um, David Hawk, who... Has a domestic had, abuse. He, he was literally arrested. If you Google him, you'll see his mugshot. He was arrested for punching his wife in the face and he had had a previous restraining order put on him from his wife before that, or wife after that. And I don't know. He's had two wives, and they both had domestic abuse allegations against him. And he is one of the strongest and politically politically strongest members um, of our legislature. And that is just bizarre to me that we let men who have no regard for women at all in these leadership positions and they're not held to account for their behavior 
you know? I mean, I don't know what the answer is. Like, I don't know what the answer, because I feel like we scream and scream and scream, and it's like, obviously it worked with Cassida, but that was, again, like you said, because of, because of a legitimate, I'm doing air quotes, it's not, I'm not being serious, but because of someone coming out um, publicly against him that was, had that credibility. And we've just been saying all this stuff for years and years and years and years and years. So it's just, I don't know. I don't know. When will we start believing Southern women and their allegations or taking them seriously at the very least, like, and not be disqualifying politically or just power wise, any kind of power? Because I think a lot of people try to say they're not political they don't care about politics, politics and messy, that's, they don't get into that stuff, whatever. But they legislate every aspect of your life. They, you know, if you have kids in school, they're in, they're in charge of every single decision that has to do with your kid's school. <laughs> like, really? I mean, they control almost every aspect of how the state functions. In your body. I mean, we I've been working closely with Planned Parenthood and this coalition that um, so I'm sure you heard of a lot of states banning abortion at six weeks in Georgia, Missouri, uh, Alabama, Kentucky uh, and Tennessee. They actually sent the bill to summer study, which means that they're going to have kind of this summer summer hearing around it. And it's just, you know, you know, thinking of the the targets or the, you know, the legislative targets and these people involved and they have no like these are small business, you know, like they own a pool cleaning business and they're making public policy about women's bodies. And on top of that, like they feel like they are beholden to no one. They're not beholden to their constituents because they get voted. We saw that with David Byrd, like they were voted in by even greater numbers. And then when these stories break, the type of public persona that they put out into the into the wild and in, in, into the public space is, you know, I'm this good Christian, I'm this good Christian person. And I, you know, I have mishaps and I'm, I can be redeemed, you know, I, I, I can seek redemption and, and all is good, which I'm sure is what Scott Desjardins played that card as well when the story broke. And it's just, and it's hard because I think a lot of left leaning media, particularly like Mother Jones or Rewire, they cover these stories and people are perplexed and they're outraged on a national scale. And when you come back to Tennessee, what's being done? I mean, we it took you know months to forcibly remove the Speaker of the House, um, but on top of that, like we have a congressman who who I mean, it's just yeah. It's, they're just not being held accountable. We, I talk about this, like, every day in my work. Like, how do we really force, you know, we get into the nitty-gritty of, like, let's try to get in every conversation we can get in to make life better for every Tennessean. But when it comes to these, these issues, it almost is, I don't know if it's, like, credibility or what it is, but there's, there's something about, you know, they let so many things slide for them. And even Casta was saying, like, people were pushing him to make a drug policy for um, people working in the legislature. And he was like, well, hold on, hold on. We have to think about that a little bit. But at the same time, he was trying to, um, he tried multiple times to um, create bills where welfare recipients wouldn't, you know, would, had to be, drug, be, had to be drug tested and kicked off. It's like, okay, well, if you don't want that for your your staffers who are literally running the state, but you want it getting paid you, over a hundred thousand dollars a year, to like do cocaine in their office, almost two hundred thousand dollars. Like, it's just it's such a double standard, and it's like if you if you want the room to have forgiveness for your mistakes, where's the room? For people who are incarcerated, where is the room for people who are being arrested? And there where is, is the room. I mean, do you even think about that for people who have been wrongfully murdered by police? Like, I mean, there's a lot of levels to it, and they want to judge everyone else and sit on their high horse and say, "I have no mistakes." It's not even mistakes. That's an abuse of power, right? right. That's an abuse of power, and they're lying. That's another thing. Is like, you know. Honest and politician are not necessarily synonyms, but at the same time, like, there is a level of it of, like, do you practice what you preach? Well, and they utilize that. I mean, it's almost like a shield 
it's it's this political cover that they have that they're a politician that they're supposed to be morally upright um, and you know adhere to this this code this honor code by being a politician and they don't and they're able to hide behind that in a way that the public just swallows and digests as oh this is the normal normal daily thing that these you know and particularly like and it's the same with Trump like you see this with Trump supporters and I think a lot of it has to do with you have misgivings in your own life or you have you have misdeeds or you know you have wrongs that you have committed you see this in our president and you say oh well you know he's good on these other things and you kind of negate all these other these uh, you know the rest of his agenda but in reality like if you are a public servant like you are you you are held to a higher standard and particularly when you are a hypocrite i mean that's the piece that really it the hypocrisy in all of this like, at least with Democrats, it's like, okay, you know, we have issues on our own own end, right? Like, we have yeah. people that, we have Democrats that have committed Me Too errors and grievances towards women, and we hold them responsible, and it goes both ways. Like, we're not saying that. And I think it's just, I, you know, I would love to see more of these political scandals have tangible consequences for the people involved in a really acute way, because I haven't seen that happen, particularly in our state. Okay. And I don't know what I don't know what the remedy is. Honestly, I don't. They're they are in safe districts. We Scott, need we need their wives to start listening to this and leave them whenever they do stuff like this. <laughs> well, actually, I was at a meeting today with a lot of the organizational progressive uh, organizational partners in the state, and um, so there's this big institute that provides uh, voting data and best practice information to, to progressive organizations. And they were talking about how that there really needs to be um, a procedure in place that if you go to the door and you are supposed to be talking to the, the female voter in that household, that you really need to get to that female voter. And that happened in David Byrd's district. I mean, we would show up at the door and the woman would say, oh, you know, this is about politics. I need to go get my husband. I'm not allowed to talk about politics. You know, it's <laughs> I mean, it was and it's and it's really like and to have these types of conversations around, you know, as your own and. And people internalize their own abuse and oppression as different things. And as white women, like, majority of white women voted for Trump. Yeah. You know, those numbers fall off after you look at college-educated white women. But still, I mean, in these rural communities, it's like, you know, they're not they're not getting this other narrative. And so when you have a story that breaks, and the, here's the other thing, the local rural paper probably isn't going to cover it. Yeah. The local rural paper probably didn't put on the front of their headline abortionist <laughs> OBGYN Scott Desjardins tells his mistress to get an abortion. I mean, that's probably not being covered in the local paper in a way that people can digest it and internalize it in a way that manifests their own self-actualization because that's not happening right now. That's all I have to say. On that cheery note, On that cheery note do you want to do grits gratitude? Sure, and we'll have we'll have a full program. But Anna and I just wanted to get an episode out because we know that that's just not been happening. So, um, Avery, why don't you go first? What are you grateful for? Y'all go first. I want to see. I've never. I've never. You've never said it. any. No. You've never told anyone what you're grateful for. I mean, I have, like in church. <laughs> like that's such a sort of response. Anna, what are you grateful for? Um, I'm grateful for. Um, the ring doorbell. I love it because it has a video camera. So, you know, moving into a house, it's different than an apartment. Like, apartment, people are always around. There's always, like, commotion. You know, there's video cameras. Especially when you have a, a pool that it's Cancun Senior Spring Break 20, 2008. <laughs> Bachelor casting party. A- Anna's pool is legit. Like, please come to Nashville and hang out at Anna's apartment, old apartment <laughs> pool. Like, you will be. If you're single, oh, you'll get hit on while his girlfriend goes to the bathroom. Oh. Happened oh. to me. Oh. Thank you, Avery. Thank you. Okay. Um. But on that note, you know, being in a house, it's, like, isolated. We have a yard. We have a bunch of, like, blind spots in our yard. And we have a lot of people. They told us this would happen. But, like, we have so much junk mail and people come to our house because they see in your – because the sale is public. So 
they can look up where you live and they see someone new just moved here. So it was like in the classifieds or like online or whatever. Um, so we've got people trying to sell us security systems, trying to sell us bug treatment, trying, I mean, everything. You need your roof looked at, like, everything you could think of. So there's, like, always people walking up, and, like, it notifies you when there's motion on the sensor, and then so you can, like, see who it is. Lots of kids selling candy. <laughs> um, which we, we had, had when we lived in East Nashville before, but, um, it's just good to see, like, when you get a package and you can, you know, get it inside quickly and all that. Um, and I'm really grateful for that kind of technology because I also think like there's a neighborhood app on there and I think it's actually more level than when I was on next door before. Cause on next door people, the neighborhood forum, they'll say like black male suspicious in my, you know, walking down the street. I'm like, are you sure he doesn't like just live in your neighborhood? Like, and they would oh, just, yeah. it yeah. was there's just like over. There's a lot of that. Over, there's a lot of yeah. that in this neighborhood. Oh yeah. It was yeah. just my so overreactive. And they own houses in the neighborhood. Yeah. It's, they just like overreact. And when it comes to like the ring feed, it's like, you actually have to have a video mm-hmm. of like saying like, this person was literally audio. on my property and has audio. So it's like, it seems like the posts are like, not even like, a tenth of what was on next door of like suspicious activity <laughs> and it's I just that is so much more like trustworthy to me because you know there are videos of like someone loading a gun like literally in front of their <laughs> so it is a it is a high crime area statistically statistically I called that way but, like, I've been here for almost three years as far as like <laughs> the number of thefts like thefts robberies burglaries it, but it, it can happen like, anywhere. But it can happen anywhere. That's the thing. I'm not scared because I I feel like we put in a system that's, like, strong and also, like, you just, like, mind your own business. You own this house and this property and, like, it's fine, you know? So I'm not scared. Like, it's definitely a safe neighborhood and I think people overreact, especially, like, online. Um, but that's just been really helpful. That's, like, given me a lot of peace of mind. Anyway, what are you grateful for? Uh... God, this month has been a blur. I don't... Avery, do you... Yeah, I can go. Yeah, great. Um, I guess it would be um, just having my sister say, yeah, come live with me. I mean, I kind of sprung... I mean, you offered, Um, and then... She offered, and then was like, oh, wait, you're actually going to... Like, she didn't find out until I went to her graduation, like, a month ago. Yeah, she's at my graduation party, and she's like, you're you're coming to live with me? And I'm like, yeah, you offered. And I said, yeah. I mean, what do you think? I was just going to, like... I mean, I'm down for whatever. Like, I didn't want to go back home. I did not want to go back to Shreveport. So, I mean, I still have my apartment in Lafayette, but I was like, let me try out Nashville. So, I'm grateful for her and for Alex. I mean, poor guy. He has to deal with two of us now. She's so Has he called you Anna yet? I feel like I would wake up and be in a... He came home yesterday to my two babies. Yeah. Because we went to work after work. like, girls... That's so cute. He loves it. But he just puts up with a lot. And, like, we are a lot. But I'm really grateful for y'all. You know, some people hate their siblings. But (laughs) (laughs) I, for some reason, lucked out. Oh, that's so sweet. And my brother was my favorite sibling. But now you are. Oh, hearing it first. Whatever. Grits podcast. So mean. It's changed now. Okay. You need to call him and tell him. I will. I'm actually grateful for, so I have a neighbor, I I don't know if I mentioned him on this on the pod, but he's homeless, and um, he and I have just become really close, and we, you know, he he does small jobs for, you know, mowing my lawn, or restoring, you know, putting, I had a light out at my car, and he restored it, Um, but he recently recently graduated with his GED degree after, Mm -hmm. I think he's in his 50s, so... um, I'm just really grateful for him because he's just a really wonderful presence to have in my life and a reminder um, of how lucky I am to be in this field and to be in the networks that I am to affect change that could ultimately impact his life is just really heartwarming in a way. So I'm really grateful for him because his friendship means a lot. So and his name's Bobby, and I'm probably going to go see him after this. So. Mm, I want to meet him Oh, he's now nice. that we're neighbors. Oh, yeah. He's your neighbor, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's great to have around. He always scolds me. So one time uh, he came over, and he 
well, I, I had just gotten home and my pug was in my house, tore up the entire house. I mean, we're talking like ate my roommate's rock crystals. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was bad. And he, you know, without even saying a word, he, you know, he went and bought dog food for Frankie. He like mm. put him up, he cleaned up. I mean, it was just so anytime. So I had a Instagram post about Frankie and scolding him for pooping where he shouldn't have pooped. And, and Bobby got back to me and was like, don't yell at him. Like he's just a pug. I'm like, thank you, Bobby. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> thank you for your dog guidance. Anyway, so, uh, all right, so we'll have Julianne on the next pod, your favorite, favorite travel correspondent in the, in the North America. Hopefully she'll get her own pod. She really needs She it. really needs her own podcast, yeah. I just, she doesn't know all the tech pieces, so we'll, hopefully we'll... We'll post all of her episodes here. Yeah, we'll just make sure, we'll be, we'll be her hype girls when she becomes more famous than, than us. Um, if you haven't already, please like us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, you know, Anna and I, this is a low, low budget, low effort pot. Not because we, <laughs> not, not because we don't love all of you, it's just because we're very busy in our own lives. But, uh, if you could do us a little, uh, do us a little, is that a thing? Is that a Southern saying? Do, you do us a solid. Do us a solid. Thank you, Avery. Do us a solid and tell your friends about the pod. Be sure to share it. Um, you know, if you like the south if you are you know think about southern politics if you have a lot of commentary um please follow us on all of those social media platforms and or just you know provide us tell us what you want to hear about because we would be more than happy to discuss it you've got a policy wonk and an activist and between the two of us like we could unpack that right mm-hmm. okay great definitely all right well thanks so much and we'll see you next episode keep it gritty keep it gritty let's get gritty bye